everybody, welcome to Ministry Misfits. It's a little uh, different today. Um, I'm still out of town. Brandon's home, but not in studio. And we're hoping that this is actually recording, because the internet out here is not the greatest. But we're here. It's a little earlier than we normally record also, because this is the only way we could do it. So if we sound a little off, that's why. So, yeah, I think Brandon, are you a- awake? Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting here. The coffee's starting to kick in, so I feel like it's not terribly early. But I feel like with what's been going on for both of us, it's like uh, all right, it's a little earlier than we would probably both like. But excited to be here and share with what we got for our listeners. Yeah, and we we decided we needed to do this because this is a conversation. The conversation we're about to have is one that is a. Uh, definitely not a new conversation by any means <laughs> been going on for quite a while i've already had this discussion with two or three people just since brandon and i typed up our outline for this episode we are talking today about halloween and what it is why it's controversial why it really shouldn't be controversial and what we should do about it as in Jewels, church communities, all of that fun stuff. So, Brandon, I'm going to start. As always, I've got two questions for you to see if you actually know them or not. And I just found these somewhat interesting. So, the first question here, Brandon. Early trivia for me. Yes, and unfortunately, I did not bring my buzzer. So, you're safe from the buzzer at least. But, (laughs) how much candy annually do you think is sold in the u.s for halloween are we gonna say pounds or dollars uh this is actually total for the year how much do you think so it's a it's a fraction here how much of the candy industry is made during halloween gotcha okay i'm gonna say 40 percent Ooh, too high 25% of all candy in the U.S. is sold just for one day of the year. (laughs) Granted. still really high. It is, but granted, it's always those fun-sized things. So I think that probably should be uh, higher or shouldn't count because they're selling it smaller, so you have to buy more. So we'll call it a – it is only 25%, but it's also probably a scam. Just saying. <laughs> now, the second one, and this one I found much more interesting, and it's actually going to start our conversation into it, is what culture version of Halloween do we get the tradition to bob for apples from? Hmm. That is a good question. I just found this one really interesting, and it starts us out with what we actually are going to talk about. <laughs> I am not sure. I definitely know it was not the COVID era of when it started. No, it was definitely not COVID. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is. Unless you were bobbing hand sanitizer, that probably was not COVID approved. No, it comes from the Romans, actually, surprisingly enough. And the reason why is because of the fact that the Halloween festivals coincided with 
the celebration of the goddess of fruit and trees. And so they just decided we'll just start bobbing for the fruit of the tree and water with our hands tied behind our back. Yeah. Not sure how that all actually connects, but that's how it connects. But anyway, that's part of where we're going to start here is because the question of should we celebrate Halloween normally revolves around the fact that the conversation normally begins with, well, this is a pagan holiday. Mm-hmm. Is that the reason you ever hear, or do you hear any other reasons why not to do it? No, I think that's, yeah, typically the biggest starting point is the paganism. Um, and I, th- I think as we talk about Halloween, that crosses over into other holidays too, which we could right. always talk about in the future. But specifically with Halloween, there's a lot more celebration of the dead or spirits um, and and magic being involved as we'll probably talk about. So yeah, definitely more of the pagan side is where people start. Um, and it's a good place to start, honestly. Right. So we're going to start out by actually looking at the fact that the history behind it, we really don't actually have a uniform history behind it. And that's where we need to start this discussion. Now, we are not going to be going into nearly as much depth as um, inspiring Michael Jones over inspiring philosophy does. If you want to get a much bigger picture of this part of it, go over to inspiring philosophy and look up his, his video is Halloween pagan or not. He also does his Christmas pagan or not is Easter pagan or not. He goes through all of them, but he gives a much better view of overview of all of it. But we are looking today to decide what the church actually should do with it. And so if we're claiming that it is a pagan holiday, we need to determine if that's actually the case. So there are multiple histories behind it. One of the biggest one that everybody claims is that it was actually a Druid holiday of Smahane, where they did a big bonfire, they dressed up in costumes, they handed out sweets, and it was all about warding off the evil spirits. But we also see it in Mexico with the Day of the Dead, which is normally about the same day. And again, it's all about death, costumes, vigils, altars to the to the the ancients, all those sort of things. You also, though, have within the Roman culture, which we were just talking about, it was the Ferella celebration, which commemorated the passing of the dead onto the afterlife. And the festival of Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruits and trees, which is where the whole bobbing for apples things comes in. And it all got assimilated into one thing after the Romans started doing battle with the Celts, the Druids, and they saw the Samain celebration. Those are the pagan histories that kind of all the traditions get assimilated in. But... The name itself actually comes from the Christian tradition surrounding that day of All Hallows' Eve, which again is remembering the saints that died. Yeah, I think it's very interesting of, as we see, they all kind of come from different backgrounds, and some are, as we talked about the origination, celebrating more of the end of the harvest uh, and celebrating other gods, lower G. Um, And then we see a lot of people being 
remembered or celebrated too for what they had done. And yeah, kind of the culmination of those coming together to what you're getting to now of where we uh, get the word Halloween and where we're at today. And, and the funny thing is, is that the claims are that because we took different pieces of different traditions that celebrated different gods, that means it's that means participating in it today means that you were participating in pagan worship. But the name itself, and even the idea again of we are remembering those that came before us, is also heavily Christianized. It's just the Christians weren't handing out Snickers. So, (laughs) the funny thing about all of this is, one, there are so many different traditions coming in that you can't actually point to one specific thing as to the reason why things are done the way they are. And two, none of that actually matters with what we're talking about. (laughs) And you're saying none of that as far as the history is concerned, correct? Right. Because why Halloween exists should not be the reason that the church decides one way or the other how we respond to it. I mean, that that should be the basic line thing of just because it may have had this sort of start does not mean that that is the reason why the church should or should not do anything about it. Yeah, and back to what you said from our very start, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it of what does that look like for us as individuals, as churches, and within our communities. But um, I think, it, yeah, as as churches maybe have this discussion or maybe don't and have just said events or whatever that might look like, participation or not, um, yeah, it's definitely something that's not typically talked about from the pulpit, and maybe rightly so. Well, it is talked about from the pulpit, You've but it's it? not normally talked about in a constructive way. Gotcha. It's talked about in a they're coming after our children type of way. You know, the same thing we talk about with everything else of where it is immediately just labeled as pagan, and so we fear it because it's going to take your children to witchcraft, Wicca, whatever they want to label it. And normally the verse that is used to do this is 1 Thessalonians 5.22, which says abstain from every form of evil, which is good advice. We should Mm -hmm. abstain from every form of evil. (laughs) We're not arguing that point. But what (laughs) we want to ask the question about now then is, what exactly makes Halloween evil? Yeah, that's a tough question for uh, individuals to wrestle with. But also, I think there's multiple points and experiences that people could point to of like the the Wicca, which you mentioned, of of certain areas there where uh, there are areas of evil being practiced or people feel that. um, I know in that they believe the spiritual realm they say is the weakest on that day is what I think the Wicca side would believe. So there's a lot of things that um, I think people lead to welcoming 
the evil spirits and i think they see it we can see it as a uh a time where people are entertaining a specific day of let's entertain potential sin or evil and see where that goes and just kind of let that linger and so i think that's where it can be and that um, you know yeah that's the fear is that you know that day will encourage kids to do this this or this you know paganism within the united states brandon what do you think is the actual number of pagan worshipers within the u.s because if you ask some of these people that are claiming that this is the gateway holiday it's millions and millions and millions and you know it's it's rampant but do you have what do you think is the actual number Unfortunately, looking at our notes, I see what the percentage. I forgot would to cut be, that out. <laughs> but um, so seeing that it's point zero three percent of the population, right? It's one million people, which is a lot of people. But that's yeah. one million people spread out across the entire U.S. territory. That's point zero three percent of the population. Paganism is not this huge, massive movement where you have witches running around all the time. You know, that was all, that's one of the things, you know, going back to history, you, when we talk about the Salem witch trials, the, the assumption was that witchcraft was rampant and everywhere and everybody was doing this, this, or this. But in reality, the witch trials were over a long period of time and very few people ever were actually convicted correctly. It was mostly literal witch hunts of somebody that did something they did not like, and so they accused them of witchcraft. Because this has never really been a high-level ranking religion within the United States. Yeah, and on the since we love math and we're so good at it, also with right. numbers, I mean, we see, I don't have the exact number, but I know it's roughly, what, like 73% of Americans would claim christianity of some not kind. anymore not anymore now it's down to like in the the 60s and 50s range but yeah mo the majority of the u.s yeah. claims some kind of christian background yes and as you and i would well know it's not <laughs> if we had to walk through a community or a space you would say hmm i don't think i could find 60 percent of people that seem like they're living for jesus even though they might claim Christianity. So I always think that's good to kind of think about with numbers too, of there might be a claim in numbers, but then also let's take a look at our um, individual landscape right. too. And then, you know, the, the second part of it, you already start talking about as far as like this idea of it's a gateway type of thing is because there is a celebration of evil death, sin through costumes, decorations, movies, those sort of things can, if nothing else, desensitize us from the realities of what evil actually looks like. Mm -hmm. That is something to be aware of because, you know, the, the majority of demonic encounters within the United States do not happen on Halloween, but they do happen through things like drug use through things like, you know, kids that still are parents and kids that still think that the Ouija board is literally just a board game 
those sort of things can, if nothing else, desensitize us to the reality of what the spiritual world looks like. Yeah, and I think with most holidays now, I mean, Halloween decorations start coming out probably September 1st, if not even in August. So I think even the longer... I was about to say, that- you're, you're, you're being generous if you think they're waiting till September 1st. I mean, they've already got Christmas stuff up in the stores, and it's not even Halloween yet. <laughs> yes, that's a debate for another day. But yeah. um, I think just even that we're specifically talking about one day, but I think as it drags out it becomes this two-month event then yes it can also lead to okay this isn't just a day or a few days for dressing up wearing a costume handing out candy whatever that might look like this can become a dragged out process of like you talked about the decorations uh, the celebration now this is where i'm putting my money behind where i just bought a giant skeleton to put in my yard whatever instead of where could that money have gone and obviously we could talk about that with a million different things that we buy in our lives but yeah it definitely can be a this whole drawn out process now versus all right we just had it as a day now it's a two month long thing that we're always looking at and so that leads us into then the scriptures, scriptures that we should actually be looking at to apply to all of this. Because 1 Thessalonians 5.22 is used all the time as, well, we just abstain from anything that's evil. Well, we already said the day itself can't be evil, because the day itself is literally just a day on the calendar. You know, whether it had pagan origin or not can be debated. That's not really part of this discussion at all. What is part of this discussion, though, is what we should do when we already know your kids trick-or-treating does not mean they're participating in pagan worship. But when you do have celebration of evil and death and sin through other things going on within the holiday, you do have other things to consider. So the two that we want to look at, one is 1 Corinthians chapter 9 which is the the chapter where Paul says, I become all things to all people so that in the end I might save some. Brandon, why, what should we actually take from that? Why, why is that important to this discussion? Can you say uh, 1 Corinthians 9 one more time for me? Yeah, so it's the section that we're looking at specifically. The entire chapter deals with this idea of how to be in the world, but not of the world. Even though this isn't the chapter, he says that. But it's the Mm -hmm. idea, you know, to the slave, I become a slave. To the free man, I become a free man. To the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the Greek, I'm a Greek. I become all things to all people, so that in the end, I, I might save some. So how, why is that important to this discussion? Yeah, I think it's because it's how we pulling for another verse are both salt and light into the world where um, putting it into <laughs> the costume form. How do we be? Are you and Emily going be... as a salt shaker in the Pixar lamp? <laughs> no, that's not where I was going to go. Okay. Just checking. Say, not being a chameleon where we blend in with the environment and 
we don't look any different than somebody else, but how do we stand out, not in the costume form, <laughs> but how do we stand out with our actions and what we do? Um, be And as we talk about a lot, this goes beyond one day. So how do our actions live out 365 days a year? And are we, are we that salt and light versus just the one day? Um, not that we can't try to a little bit harder that day, but how are we living that out on a daily basis? Yeah. And the other, you know, part of what we're talking about with all of this is this idea of, yeah, it's salt and light, but to be salt and light, you actually have to be active within the community in order to be the light and the salt within that community. And so when we talk about becoming all things, all people related to this, that means that we need to become active within the community but we still need to be set apart within that community which means that we can participate but we can do so without the celebration of evil death and sin Mm -hmm. there are ways of doing it and this is what paul gets to at the end of the chapter where he says you know i i want to you know i do all of this so that in the end i will not be disqualified because we can participate and become all things to all people in a way that disqualifies us. But there are ways of doing it where we don't. And that is part of what we see in Acts 17. This is when Paul is in Athens, and he's walking around, and he sees all the big pagan, going back to what everybody's claiming this is, pagan statues and he sees one in particular. You know what it says, Brandon? Mm-mm. It says, to the unknown God. Mm. Because the people in Athens were so afraid of offending anybody that they put up all the God statues and a second or a, a final one that just says, and any that we forgot. <laughs> to the That's unknown the God. And so Paul preaches a sermon in Acts 17 using that idol saying you know i will i am going to tell you who this unknown god is and so here you have paul the same guy that wrote first thessalonians 5:22 of abstain from all sorts of evil now using a pagan idol to teach the people of who the one true god actually is And so how we can do that related to all of this other stuff is what we're going to start diving into when we come back from this break. We'll be right back. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. 
If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. Today's a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. We just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. The teams at Buzzsprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. We're back. All right, welcome back. We're still separated in our different areas of the country. Yeah, but the caffeine's still catching up for both. And of the us caffeine is still catching up. So if we if we seem like we're depressed, we're not. We just haven't had our full <laughs> caffeine amounts this this morning. But we're talking still on the church and Halloween and what all of that actually means. So we already went through and walked through the fact that most of the initial fears that we hear probably are mostly misplaced. You know, the idea that it's a pagan holiday. And so if you participate, you are participating in pagan worship. Acts 17, 1 Corinthians 9, Matthew 5, theologically just throw that out. Because there, there's no reason that just because it initiated as a pagan holiday that we cannot use it as believers. And two... We also said that we really have no idea where it started because we've got so many different traditions going in there that the idea that it's just a pagan holiday is just normally used as fear-mongering. The second thing we talked about was the reality that there are celebrations of evil and death and sin that culturally and commercially, I guess that really is the the thing that we should have said, is that commercially is Mm -hmm. where it becomes a celebration of these things, even more so than culturally. And that because that is the case, we do need to look at what we should actually do about all of this, because the history really does not matter. It's about how people are using it that matters. And so, Brandon, you brought up an, a, another point to all of this, and that's the fact that you know, while adults are spiritually mature and should should be, yeah, should be spiritually mature enough to do this kind of discussion, 
what do we do about the kids? Because that normally is where the fear-mongering is targeted. We don't want to lose our kids to the witches. Yeah, because we can have these conversations and go back to scripture and see the history and stuff. But for um, a five-year-old that yeah wants to dress up or participate, yeah, what does that look like? And it can be um, challenging because, I mean, obviously trick-or-treating is for not adults. <laughs> so, <laughs> typically. So... You're if you didn't know that, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler. So yeah. you're at an age where you're more easily exposed to things and more open to what might be around you and your surroundings. Um, and so even though us as an adult might be saying, this is what we stand for. This is how we're going to participate. Uh, I think it can be more challenging probably for children and lead them to more exposure as they are at an early development stage and taking more in and and like we said it may if nothing else it's desensitizing Mm -hmm. you know the desensit the desensitizing to these sort of things which does make it more difficult to actually talk the supernatural when people associate the supernatural just with october 31st that sort of thing is definitely the case. And we are going to say again, like we say with all of these discussions is that we aren't telling you how to parent your children. You need to have this discussion with your children for yourself and decide as a family, what that means for you. We are having the discussion here about whether the churches should actually be doing something within this or not. You know, there there's a very, fine line between the two but that is the the discussion that we are having is what should the church actually do you as a family need to make these things the decision for yourself for whatever reason that you're making them now it doesn't mean that this discussion can't help you decide what to do with it but that is not necessarily what we are addressing and so we're gonna start walking through what we are addressing because the question that actually we started with as far as how the church should respond normally the question is actually put out of how should the church respond to this pagan holiday and we already said that that question shouldn't even matter but the question that we want to be asking is how should the church respond with the answer of how the community responds is how we Mm -hmm. should respond. So there's a couple of different ways to look at this. One of them is what we were just talking about. If your community is responding in a way where it is actually pagan worship, which I don't think we actually have very many communities in the United States where that would be the case. Probably not openly. Openly. And that's the key is the openly part of this. If your community is openly participating within pagan worship on this day, then I would say that being salt and light in your community at that point would be to not be involved. But if your community is responding as this is a way for our kids to get out and, you know, express themselves through costume, to be able to have fun walking around the neighborhood and meeting the nice neighbors and getting candy. That is a different discussion 
as far as how we as a church should actually respond if we are saying that we should be all things to all people so that we might save some. Mm -hmm. If we are saying that we are to be salt and light in our community. And so really the first question related all of this that we need to have as churches is the question we ask all the time, although we also answer it all the time, of who's there for who? This is the whole dynamic of, is the community there for the church or is the church there for the community? Which, what is the actual reason that you as a congregation are there? If you are there for, if you are saying the community is there for us, well, then I would say you, one, have it backwards. Mm -hmm. And two, that's going to change the way you actually look at these sort of things within your community. Because if you are saying that the, the, the community is supposed to just coming to you and supplying you with attenders and you with converts and you with tithes, then there's no reason for you to go out into the community because they should just come to you naturally. And let me know for you. Because we all know that in today's culture, that is not the case anymore. But if we are supposed to be as a church, therefore our community, if our community is having an event, we probably should be there. Yep, and there's a way to definitely look different. Um, not by just what what we have, but what we're yeah expressing and how to show love to people. Um, yeah, in just a different way, even that maybe goes beyond candy. And again, it's, it's our intention intentionality behind it. Of yeah, are we doing this to gain something, or are we doing this to connect and and share? And, and that's where, you know, we always want to make sure that we are clear on the difference between in-reach and outreach. You know, we've talked about this a few times this season already. See if you can remember, Brandon, in-reach is what? Things that we do within our church. Right. It's for people inside the walls. In the congregation, yeah. Outreach, there are two types. The first type of outreach is where we are going out in the community with the purpose of doing what? Spreading the gospel. Bringing, yeah, bringing people back with us, right? Evangelism. But the second type of outreach is where we are going out in the community for the purpose of what? Just taking care of individuals' needs. Being part of the community, right? Yeah. Yeah, we are reaching out to our community to be a part of the community. That is what I am arguing should actually be our purpose within this discussion. Because if our community is using Trick or Treat as a community event, then it is the perfect opportunity for us to continue to show the community that we are there for them. And so the way that we are going to talk about this is that the first side of this is that you, if you as an individual, so this would be an individual that is not taking their own kids out for trick or treating, but you as an individual are at home giving out candy. This is part of the discussion. If you as an individual are taking your kids out for trick or treating, there's a small part of the discussion, but we already said that you as a family need to make those decisions yourself. 
And then there's the bigger picture of what should the church be doing within their community. So the first thing we need to make sure that we are clear on is that before you make any decisions about this one day particularly, you need to make sure that your church is already in the community doing these sort of things regularly. This is not a one and done type of thing. It mm-hmm. should you, your your church should be already recognized within the community before you start to try and do these sort of things. Because if the community only knows that on Easter you give out candy and eggs, and on Halloween you give out candy to kids that are coming in. And especially if your whole purpose behind this is just to get them there on Sunday morning. There's a reason why the church is looked at as being just a bunch of groomers. Mm -hmm. Because what it looks like is that you just are using candy to get the kids to come into your services. There's no relationship there. No. And that is a problem. Because that, unfortunately, has the appearance of evil but not in the way that we ever talk about when we're related to Halloween. Mm -hmm. So this, when we talk about this sort of event, this should be a continuation of community outreach that you already are doing, whether you as an individual or you as a church, it should not be a one and done type of thing because this is a way that we, there is a way of doing this that keeps our witness And that can be very effective in outreach that leads to eventual in-reach. And I think it's important for those people participating in the event too, within the the congregation to have the discussion maybe like we're having, or at least um, from, from the pastoral side or leadership side to say, this is where we stand. Yeah, this is how we are coming at it as a community side, not for benefit. Right for outreach and yeah, have that conversation because I think it will lead to better conversations and hopefully have the people participating um, truly see the church's heart behind it. And, and this is why, you know, we've said before, this conversation needs to be happening regularly within our churches, regardless, not the Halloween side, but the conversation of why are we doing this? should be happening regularly, even if everybody is in agreement and everybody is in correct agreement as to why we're doing this. It's good to have the conversation regularly to remind ourselves of why we do this stuff. Now, what this looks like, we're going to get into a little bit of a logistical thing here to help you understand what we are actually saying as opposed to what we are not saying. Because, again, we are not saying participate in pagan worship. So we don't need that flying around the internet. (laughs) We are saying that we are able to be a part of the community and still keep our witness and still take care of the community that we are in. And that the night that that the kids in your community are trick-or-treating is a perfect opportunity to do it. So there are a couple of different normal ways that we see this play out. One of them is just the normal trick or treat. If you don't have a building or have enough people to do this, your church coming together 
and getting a ginormous pile of key together to have your members take home and hand out is a way that your church is actually able to be a part of the community still. The more common one that is becoming more common would be the trunk or treat instead of trick or treat, where all the people come and decorate their cars up and hand out candy and it's you know walking museum type of thing what my wife and i always did when we were at the churches that did trunk or treat is we actually turned our trunk into an arcade shooter game with (laughs) nerf guns and everything like that and so they had to earn their they had to earn the candy and we even we i even managed to hook up a little bell to the target so that they hit they could hit the bell you know there are ways of doing that kind of stuff also the other big one, this was what the church when I grew that I grew up in always did was the whole fall festival, harvest festival idea of where it's just this big, big party basically with games mm-hmm. and movies, balloons, food, all that sort of thing within the actual building. All of those are good, assuming that you are doing it correctly. And so one thing that I always push for when we have these conversations is that do do not be handing out tracks. Hand out the candy. (laughs) Even if the dentists in your churches get mad, hand out the candy. Because again, this is about the community, not about trying to force people into your services. Mm-hmm. And that's what the kids are looking for. <laughs> that's what they're looking now. I mean, if you're giving out toys, you're giving out, you know, like fruit snacks, things like that. That's not a problem. If you, you know, if you're wanting to hand them hot dogs instead of, you know, whatever, that's fine. But this is not supposed to be just a slap them upside the head with a Bible verse about why they shouldn't even be out here in the first place. This is supposed to be about being a part of the community that we are in. And, you know, my argument has always been also that the kids should be leaving the houses of the Christians with more stuff than they're getting from everywhere else. If they're coming to our churches instead of going out in the community and they're coming to our church because we are offering them a safe place, we are offering them a place that is not associated with all of the evil that we've already talked about, the costumes, with the decorations, with the movies where they're able to come and just have fun, then they should be able to leave with at least the same amount that they would have gotten if they had been outside. If not more. You know, when we, this goes back to, I was gonna say, not that it's a direct extension of our, our, our love to them of two to one candy ratio, but yeah, I think it's, um, it can be again, can be because as we, Go back to what we we talk about. This is not just a one day or one time extension. Right. This should be a continual thing that plays into of wow, this church or this people group like loves us well, um, and almost yeah turns heads of why are they doing this of why and like have people ask you that why and then you can share your purpose of right. Jesus. If somebody's asking you the question, answer it. Yeah, but don't be there expecting people just to ask you the question so that you can answer it. That's not what we're talking about doing here. You know, the conversations that we should be having, you know, with, especially with the kids, is we should be 
talking to them. Why, why do you choose this as far as what they're dressed up as have the conversation, you know, have the conversation with the kid that's dressed up as a clone trooper instead of a stormtrooper. why they went clone instead of stormtrooper. you know, why do you, you know, have the, <laughs> one of my favorite things that I ever saw happen was, uh, the pastor that I was serving under at the time asked the kid why he chose Batman instead of Superman. Cause Superman is so much better. And by the, end of the night there was an entire de- a dc debate happening with the senior pastor between like seven or eight kids <laughs> it's like that is how the community knows that we actually care about them as individuals mm-hmm. they're not just a number that we want to get in our pews and raise their hands so that we can start taking their tithe money we want to care about the individual as an individual because that is who we are actually called to serve is the individual. We're not called to serve just an individual that's going to accept Christ in the end. We're called to serve our neighbors. And that includes our neighbors that may eventually be our enemies mm-hmm. or our neighbors that are enemies of God, or even our neighbors that are actively serving a pagan God or active within a pagan worship. It doesn't, that stuff does, what they do does not matter. We are called to love our neighbor. And this night is a good opportunity for us to do that. Especially if you do it the night that everybody else is, that your community is doing trick or treat. Because now you don't even have to go out and find people. You just have to stand there and say, hey, our doors are open if you want to come play some games. (laughs) And so, you know, the the big piece to this, again, is that we are saying that this discussion, from a theological standpoint, we already said 1 Corinthians 9, all things to all people, Matthew 5, salt and light, Acts 17, let me tell you who this unknown God is. We, we are capable of doing this event without theologically compromising ourselves. Mm-hmm. As long as we are actually doing it correctly, yeah, and being on guard, I think too for ourselves of both as a church and for individuals as families, as we've talked about um, on an individual basis, it's um, up to you to decide what you do or do not want to participate in. Um, that's not what we're here to say, but right. yeah, being on guard of what is happening around us in our communities or within the larger world. And then knowing how our response will be. And, and part of being on guard is having this discussion and having it well, you know, if we are actually having a good discussion on what the supernatural actually is, if we are actually having a good discussion on again, where our hearts are at as a church, as far as for our community, if we are having good discussions on, what the realities of evil are in the world. If we're having a good discussion on the fact that Jesus already overcame all the evil in the world. If we have those kind of discussions regularly, then we are going to be able to do this without compromising. And we will be on guard when there are things that are actually a threat to us and our children, because we're already prepared for those sort of things. You know, that that's one of the funny things I, I posted on Twitter a couple of days ago. One of the funny things I find with the people that quote First Thessalonians 522 
as the reason why we should not do anything related to Halloween is this idea of, you know, we're supposed to abstain from every form of evil. But yet the people that normally quote that verse as a reason to avoid Halloween ignore verses 19 through 21 that talk about not stifling the spirit and not despising those that bring prophecy. Hmm. Because if we have the spirit and we are not stifling him, we are willing to listen to those in our churches that are offering us what God is, is saying within the word in a relevant cultural, culturally relevant, strategically relevant way, then we will be guarded. Yeah. We're not going to have to worry about looking like we are participating in evil because we will know what God is calling us to do. But we ignore those verses and just say abstain from all evil. So we go and lock ourselves up in the castle. <laughs> yeah, I still think that the trickiest part again is the, the children's side of for a lot of individuals. And yeah, we we can have this conversation and be more sp- spiritually mature. Not saying that we're comparing anything, but from a potential children's standpoint, and for them, yeah, how how do they guard their hearts? Where are they at with Jesus? That looks a lot different from a parent standpoint versus a child. And, and this is where, again, having this discussion with our kids is important as well. You know, when they ask why we don't let them dress up as a witch on Halloween and make them do the fun characters instead, we can tell them why, Mm -hmm. because what that represents is something that goes against what God has asked us to do. That is a, easy, simple way to start the conversation when they're younger. And to take it a step further and say, because I think what happens is then they see their classmates or a friend that is dressed up Mm -hmm. as a witch or something and say, but you still love that person. Right. You don't go tell your, you you don't tell the, you know, the teacher in your preschool class that she's going to hell because she's dressed up as a witch. You don't do that. That's not (laughs) how we are supposed to go about it. But part of the reason why we have we can actually make that statement is if we ourselves are not doing that as well. Mm-hmm. And that is where the importance of the church doing this correctly affects even the way that our families do this correctly. Because if we as a church are saying if you participate in this, then you are then you've already been damned, then how can we expect our kids not to do the same thing? Yeah, that's very true. So this is this is a different type of discussion. Different because one, we're hoping this recorded. It looked like it recorded, but you know how internet goes. We're separated for a little bit. We're still I'm still kind of on vacation for another 45 minutes before I have to get in the car again. <laughs> but we wanted to make sure we had this discussion because it's an important discussion. And it's a discussion mm-hmm. that if nothing else, we're hoping that this may be what is needed to ha- help you have that discussion, both as a family and as a church related to what you're going to do next week when next it's year, trick or treat. Yeah. Or next week, if you or or next year, if you know, you're not listening to this current, which you should be. So we're just saying, so yeah, in the meantime, 
while you're having the discussion. If you want to have more discussions about this, you can do it in a couple of different ways. One of them is to just comment on the video on Facebook or YouTube. If you're listening to this on Good Pods, we can have the discussion right there because they do have the comment section. And the fun thing, Brandon, is that Good Pods now is available on desktop. It is no longer just on the phone. So nice. if you guys want to to listen and support us there as well as you can support other indie podcasts, including our friends over at bless up. Um, you can do that by going to good pods. I think it's goodpods.com Um, and then searching for mystery misfits on there. Um, it is kind of a social media app for podcasts where you can listen to the show and communicate with the creators and other people that are listening and all that fun stuff there. Um, you can also message us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also send us a message through our website, ministrymisfits.com. Um, I believe in it's a con, I think it's a contact session section. I can, I've been working on so many other people's websites. I can't remember what's all on our city. <laughs> Contact us. Or yeah, that? I think we've got to contact us button. If not, there's also our email, um, ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking. If you want more ideas on what to do with this, I have a ton of them because of all of the years I've done this. So if you're wanting an idea, even for a smaller church with like almost no budget, let me know. We can hook you up all of that good stuff as well. Um, speaking of budget, if you want to help us with our budget, um, <laughs> patreon.com. I'm going to find new ways to do this every time, Brandon. I like it. Pat- it's a good roll in. That's right. So patreon.com backslash ministry misfits. You can support us there with any of the different levels. It's five, 10, 20, and 100. Um, and we are eventually going to hopefully get a schedule together to add a Bible study option in Patreon as well for anybody that would want to do some misfit style Bible studies. Probably looks similar to almost like what we did today of having these cultural discussions related around the verses that we're reading. Um, but if you want to, if you're interested in all of that, go to patreon.com, sign up. Um, all of the higher price levels automatically will get you in, but we may have a lower price level to, to, for people that are interested there as well. What am I missing, Brandon? I'm missing something. Oh, the store, the store. Yeah. We've still got the the last thing with some updated merch that we've got in there. So check that out. There's a fun mug. There's the hoodie t-shirts that we have. uh, Yeah. And as we get closer to Christmas, the closer we get to Christmas, the more likely that things are going to sell out. Um, not necessarily our stuff sell out, but the supplies that we need to make them will be sold out. So if you want some some Misfits merch for Christmas, you better jump on there quickly because we don't want you to miss out. Brandon, I will see you in a few hours actually for our our Halloween party for our Bible study, assuming that we actually make it back in time and don't have another major going through indianapolis on a thursday was a adventure in itself multiple accidents multiple cars just stopping in the middle of the road for no reason and multiple people dropping random furniture in the middle of the road so assuming (laughs) that i get back home (laughs) 
Yeah, we should also be there as well. I might break out the ostrich costume again. Yes. So we'll see. Yes, and if you don't follow us on Instagram, you guys need to go to Instagram so that you know what I'm talk what he's talking about. Because if he doesn't wear it this year, I still have the picture for him a few years ago. So if you want to see Brandon riding an ostrich, go go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. So in the meantime, we will we'll see you all next week. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits. 